This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Okay, so who here has ever had a bad day? Yeah, most, most hands in the room. If you haven't raised your hand, everybody go look around. You know who's lying. Don't take out a loan from them. Don't buy insurance from I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. Um, we've all had a bad day, right? We've all had a, a pretty crummy day. I mean, has anybody ever woken up in the morning, and it's a perfect cinematic, picturesque morning. The birds are chirping. There's some dwarves outside singing, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go. You know, cloud, there's not a cloud in the sky. You wake up, and the sun is the thing that woke you up that morning, just the warmth of the sun. Your wife's already up, and she's got coffee. You smell the coffee in the air. Amen. Anybody for some coffee in the morning? And, um, and then you get up, you do the stretch, and you're like, man, today is going to be a good day. Anybody been there? Anybody done that? You get up, and, and, and you start headed towards the coffee pot, pot and, then, and then without even realizing it, it's like there's this huge magnet on your pinky toe. And it's attracted straight for the corner of the bed. And the crunch of every bone in your pinky wakes up the dog and he comes running in thinking just like a bomb just went off in the room because you screamed the highest pitch, girliest pitch scream you've ever heard in your entire life. Anybody, anybody ever had that day? And, and all of a sudden your good day turned into the worst day you've ever had, right? Yeah? Yeah, well, uh, today I kind of want to talk about what happens when, when we have a bad day. Maybe you've heard the song, I had a bad day, taking one. Don't, you don't want me to preach. I'm not like, J- or sing. I'm not like Jason. You don't, you don't want me to do that. But um, I heard that song, and really something's been kind of stirring in me and in my heart. And um, I really, I, I, I heard that song, and it just kind of confirmed in my heart that, that um, that I wanted to speak about what, what we're going to be talking about today. And so um, let's read John chapter 16, verse 33 together, and we'll dive in. Amen? Uh, so the, it says this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Everybody say peace. I think whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, um, everybody wants some peace in their life, right? Whether things are going good or whether things are going bad, peace just sounds like a good thing to have. Amen? And, and what I love is Jesus is, is trying to encourage people here. Let's, let's have some peace. Um, and then it says this, in the world you have tribulation. And the disciples are probably sitting here thinking like, all right, great, Jesus, thank you. High five. That was awesome. You're going to tell me about peace. Thank you. And then you're going to tell me I'm going to have some trouble. And then you're going to tell me I'm going to have some bad days. And so first he talks about peace, now he wants to talk about tribulation, now he wants to talk about struggle, struggle. but he, he goes on to say this, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Maybe you heard this scripture today, and this is really the, the foundational piece uh, that I want to start with as, as we're talking about having a bad day and how to deal with a bad day. And, and we're going to get into a story here in the Bible that I think so eloquently helps us how to respond, how to react, how to think, how to feel when that bad day comes. But um, here I think Jesus is, is telling his disciples in this moment, guys, guess what? Life is not going to be perfect. I'm not going to promise you that every day is going to be with the dwarves and the birds and the coffee. 
There are going to be some days where you will lose your toe. But I promise you, if you just take heart and trust in me, because I've overcome the world, things will be better for you. So um, I, I wanted to start with this story. Um, I, I don't think I've ever told uh, the congregation this. Some of our students uh, know this story. And it's actually the story of what was the event, what was the tipping point for my family for the reason why we moved here to Texas. I'm actually not originally from Texas. I was born and raised in California. Don't boo. It's okay. I love Texas. I don't want to leave. All right. I love, love Texas. I'm so glad that we came. But we moved out here when I was 14. And really the reason was my, my, my family's been wanting to leave California for a while. It was just we were in a hard place to do it. And we had slowly had some extended family start moving over. And, 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 and we were... We were finally sold our house, and we were renting a, a house, and, and we were just trying to figure out what our next move was. We weren't really sure what we were going to do. And there was this one morning where, where I'm, you know, dead asleep. It's, it's, it's probably the deepest part of my sleep because my mom came rushing into the room and shaking me frantically and hard. It's still dark outside, and and, and, and I just kind of wake up, and I look up, and I look at my mom, and she's screaming, we got to get out the house. We got to get out the house. Come on, let's go, let's go. And she just runs off. And I just kind of like remember going, Ugh. and then you know how, I mean, teenage boy, I went straight back to sleep. But as I was starting to fall back asleep, I, I started to smell this really, really heavy smell, and, and I, I started to cough. There was smoke in my room. Our house was on fire. And I remember waking up, and it was honestly one of the scariest moments in my life. And, you know, thinking back on the story, I wonder, you know, maybe my mom didn't love me as much as she loved my sisters. Because I got to wake up and run away, and my sisters got to pull them out of bed and take them out the house. Maybe she just trusted me because she knew I was brave. That's what I tell myself. Um, but I remember getting out of bed and instinct, running to my parents' room, nobody was in there. Running to my sister's room, nobody was in there. And running out the front door, just seeing smoke all over this house. And I, I'm, I'm standing on the front porch and, and I see the most relieving sight anybody could ever see. At the end of the driveway, my mom, my two sisters, and our two dogs, because I love my dogs. They're there at the front, and, and I just, this instant sense of relief, right? Then all of a sudden, I remember I'm, I'm not the only boy in my family. Where's my dad? Have you ever been so scared that you feel like you're, you, you've come out of your own body? Like, like, you just feel like your heart's about to come out of your chest, and everything that, all the blood, everything just drops to your feet, and, and I stand there frozen, and without even thinking, I scream out to my mom, Mom! Where's dad? And before I can let her answer, I promise you I am not brave. It was pure adrenaline. I run back into the house. And as I, I run back into the house, I look over to the left, and the piece of the ceiling fell onto the dining room table and broke it in half. I'm literally seeing flames coming out of our kitchen. Like, it felt like a movie. 
And I'm running all over the place, coughing, and, and I'm crying, obviously. I'm, I'm just terrified. And I finally run back out, and I, I scream again, Mom, where's Dad? My mom's response, he's in the back with the hose. My dad is in the backyard with the water hose trying to <laughs> calm the fire down. And that was the most relief that I have ever felt. The fire department comes, and I'm just kind of standing there with my family, and my dad's trying to help the fire department. They're telling him he got to get back, and all I can think about is my stuff and my sister's things and my parents' things, and we get in our car, and we drive over to my grandmother's apartment full of smoke or smelling like smoke, and just that was how my day started that day. And I don't know about you, but that was a pretty bad day. Anybody could think of a time in their life where maybe it wasn't so funny and you had a pretty bad day. Maybe you found out that you got that diagnosis that, that you were not expecting or praying for. Maybe you finally had a conversation with your son or daughter who's been kind of living far away and, and you find out maybe they're not as close to God as you originally once thought. Maybe you woke up one day and you went to work and you, and you found out your job wasn't there waiting for you. I don't know about you, but you're not alone in the fact that we all have a bad day. Like any good preacher, I went to Google and uh, I wanted to find out how most people respond to a bad day. And I just started Googling, looking on university, you know, college studies, and finding blogs and articles from different uh, counselors and psychiatrists. And there were four things. There were four things that uh, the person does, no matter the demographic, the age, the social class. There are four things that, that people take steps to that I found in common when, when they have a bad day that we, that we take. So um, if, if, if you have uh, the opportunity on our, on our, uh, on our uh, mobile app, you can follow along with our notes, and these will be on there as well. But the first thing is this. The first step that we take when our, when our day uh, starts going bad is we become isolated. Anybody ever do that? My mom, I'm just going to be honest with you, I got it from her so I can say this. That was my mom. She was the type of person, I'm in a bad mood, I'm having a bad day. It's probably best for you to just kind of leave me alone. Anybody, anybody like that? Let's be honest. If you got somebody that's like that next to you, go ahead and give them elbow, elbow, elbow love is what we'll call it. Just a little elbow love. Um, yeah, I'm seeing so many. Some people are going, what? I just got a bad day now. I'm just kidding. Uh, we become isolated. This is a place where we are in shock. We're trying to process what just happened. We're, we're, we're trying to figure out whether we want our emotion to react negatively or should I try to be positive here but regardless we start to isolate ourselves from the people around us whether they're close or whether they're not so very close we we don't say hi we 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 keep our heads down when we're in the grocery store when we're having a bad day we put these walls up and one thing that I found very interesting when I was researching there was this there's this particular article that said that that not only do we put our walls up to try to guard us from more hurt or more frustration or more of the bad to come into our day or come into our lives in a time of crisis, but really what happens when we get into this place of isolation is we block all the good things too. 
And in this article, it says it's like still water standing for a year. Your heart and your mind, because you don't allow anything good or anything bad, become still, dirty. It, 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 it becomes sour. And without even realizing it as our defense mechanism, we end up allowing ourselves to go deeper into the, we, we make our own day worse. The second thing is this, uh, we want an explanation. That's me, that's me more than anything. Anybody like that? Like you need an explanation as to why this day is the way that it is? Anybody in the room? Yeah, that's me for sure. That's probably the stage where I get hung up on the most. Uh, one article called it the why phase. We ask the why questions, questions like, God, why would you do this? Or God, why would you allow this? Or why did my dad have to lose his job? Or why didn't I get accepted into that school? Why, didn't, why was I given that diagnosis? We're asking why to try and process and figure out why this day looks the way that it does. And if, 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 if most of you have done, have done this Christian thing long, you find out that those why questions don't ever really get answered. I heard a preacher say one time that you'll never know the why on this side of heaven. And even though that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow for, for many, that's, that's where our faith as a Christian um, comes into play. We don't, his thoughts are above my thoughts, his ways are above my ways, and we don't really know why God is allowing or, or why, why, why things are happening the way that they are, but we know that in heaven one day they'll be answered, and we know that God works all things ultimately for my good. And usually because we sit in this place of why, and usually there's not an answer, as we're waiting for one, we, we move on to the next phase, and, and this is the... The one where most people get stuck is we get angry. Anybody been angry in a bad day? Yeah. We get angry. Angry at God, angry at the people around us. Angry at the circumstance. Angry at ourselves. Why didn't I say more? Why didn't I do more? If only I would have. If only I could have. We play every scenario, we think back every which way, we wonder, if only. And we allow ourselves to, to become more intoxicated, really, with this anger. And the last thing, the last thing is we blame God. We reject him, Ultimately. Our faith, our hope, our trust becomes lost and we find ourselves beginning the process of walking away from him. And for some of you, it may be, I, I don't, I'm not walking away from God. I'm just a little frustrated with him right now. Well, that's the start. We, we find ourselves going to church less and less or we find ourselves praying less and less, thinking of God less and less. And all of a sudden we wonder, where is he? We tell ourselves it's because he walked away, but if we really look back, we don't realize that we've taken these steps in these stages of isolation, isolation from myself and, or isolation from my family and isolation from my church and people around me that were supposed to be encouraging me. And then we, we, we were stuck in the why face for so long, we got frustrated when things weren't answers and we get, and we get angry and, and little by little we realize that maybe it wasn't God that walked away from me, maybe, just maybe, 
This whole time it was me taking small steps away from God. Isolating myself. You're probably thinking, Pastor Manny, I wanted a good Sunday today. Why are we talking about this? Don't worry, this is just the beginning. I've got a plan. Actually, I've got one better for you. God has a plan. And today my prayer, my hope, is that everybody in this room that may be experiencing a bad day today walks away with so much faith and with the opportunity to lay it, God, lay it at God's feet. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for who you are, God. And as we've laid down the groundwork for what you're going to be talking to us about today, God, I just pray that you use my mouth as your mouthpiece, Father. Use my hands, my heart, my mind, my spirit, and my soul, God. Speak through me, God. God, I just pray that you open up every ear and every, ear and every heart, God, to hear what you have to say, God. I pray hope, faith, life to rise up in this place this morning. Because I really believe that you've got a word for me today, God, that, that somebody needs this morning. And God, I know people are going to walk away this morning full of faith to take on their day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. So there's a story in the Bible that I think is so perfect for how we need to handle our, our, our bad day. How to, how to address what's going on in our bad day. So, it's, uh, some of you may have heard of, of this man. His name is Jehoshaphat. Anybody ever heard of King Jehoshaphat? King Jehoshaphat is the fourth king of Judah. Uh, Jehoshaphat, to me, is a great baby name. Um, if you're thinking, maybe, you, you know, you're with child, and maybe you're thinking about guys' names, I think Jehoshaphat's a great name, mostly because there's a lot of nickname material to come from it. I mean, there's like 30 syllables, so you got a lot of options there, J, Jeho. You know, Hosh, you know, okay, anyway, uh, um, I just, I thought there was a lot of possibilities there. Um, but uh, if you want to read about King Jehoshaphat, there's, it's pretty much all of Second Chronicles is, is littered with him. Uh, but but uh, we're going to be in Second Chronicles chapter 20, and, and what we do, what we see here is we find King Jehoshaphat in probably the, one of the worst days of his life, one of the worst situations that he could ever be in. And what he does and how he responds to his day brings so much. There's so much that we could pull from. And, 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 and he teaches us how really we can respond to our own bad day. So uh, one day King Jehoshaphat wakes up and he, and he gets news that three armies are coming against him. And, 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 and he's got all his people. He's the king, so he's the guy to make decisions. And he finds out that there's a three-to-one odds of winning this battle that he didn't even ask for. And what I love about King Jehoshaphat is the way that he decides to respond. The very first thing he decides to do. When he, when he gets word that these armies are coming. And the first thing that he does is he, he seeks God. Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 3 it says this. Alarmed Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So the first word that we see here is alarmed. And in the Hebrew that actually means that he was afraid. That, that, that he was worried, 
that he probably got, jumped out of bed, and, and felt the same feeling that I felt on my front porch when I didn't see my, my father. Everything that he was in charge of, everything that he loved, everything that he held dear was now being threatened. His day that morning changed. Alarmed, and, 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 and what I loved is in his fear, he decided to do something that most of us don't do very well. We're going to seek God. What he did is he called all of the people of Judea, the entire country, and he said, we're going to fast and pray. The generals are probably standing and thinking like, are you, are you okay? Are you sick this morning? Do you have a fever? There's an army coming. Shouldn't we start prepping defenses shouldn't we we get a scouting party going like this is going to be your first thing we're going to stop everybody from doing everything and we're going to fast we're going to go hungry while we fight and 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 we're going to pray i'm sure when king jehoshaphat heard that it was a three to one odds he probably knew there was nothing that he had control over to change his situation And he knew that if I just seek God in this moment, that everything is going to be okay for me. That that needs to be my number one priority. What I love is that his first instinct was to pray. He doesn't turn and do things his own way. He doesn't pretend that a problem is coming that doesn't exist. And he doesn't try and go march out and take the problem head on. He decides, you know what, God needs to be a part of this story. What the problem is, I think a lot of us in the thick of a bad day is the last thing we want to do is include God. The last thing we want to do is seek him. The last thing we want to do is pray. You know, um, there, there, there are, there's a prayer that King Jehoshaphat prays in Second Chronicles that some scholars believe is one of the most beautiful prayers in all of the Old Testament. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read it, uh, but there are, there are three things from that prayer that, that I think that we can draw from. Because I think so many times we don't seek God too is, is, is because we don't know how. Let's, let's be real for a second. Have you ever been in a time of crisis and you just didn't know what to say to God? I've, 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 done, that, I've done that prayer where God, I don't even know. Just, <laughs> you hear my heart, God, I don't even know. Just whatever you need. Just, I need you. Well, what I want to do is I want to help you here. I want to I take from King Jehoshaphat, and I want you to hear this prayer. And, 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 and maybe these are some things that you can think through. The first thing is this, the first thing in a bad, we'll call, it, we'll call it our bad day prayer, okay? Go ahead and write this down in your notes so when that bad day comes, you know the steps to pray. The first thing is remember how, God, how big God is. Remember how big God is. See, what he knew is the history of his people where they came from, and how they ended up here. He knew the miracles of Egypt. He knew the battles that have been won. And he knew that God has always proven faithful before. He knew that any circumstance that any of God's people ever faced, God has come through for them. He remembered how big God was in his previous bad days. I don't know about you, but you're sitting here today. 
that means you've made it through some pretty bad days. And sometimes the first thing we think is we tell ourselves, this is different this time. I don't know if God's going to be able to come through this time. But I'm sure if I walk around this room with a microphone, I can find some pretty bad day stories in this room that will make you think, really? God, God did that for you? Our God is bigger than anything that we can ever face. Any mountain, any giant that may stand in our way. And if we just take, our, take a moment and step back and in our prayer, before we say, God, I need you, before we worry about what, what tomorrow is going to hold, or before we worry about the next step, we just remind ourselves the God that we are praying to and what he's done on our behalf before. This is a really good opportunity as you're remembering how big God is to thank him for what he's done. The next thing in our bad day prayer is remember he has never failed you. And when you remember that, then you can ask for peace. Because you know that in this moment he won't as well. And the last thing is remember what God has promised. God has promised you things. And those things will come to pass. And if we don't focus so much on the pay the pain today, we can focus on our promise tomorrow. Amen? Trust God. No matter the outcome, that the sun will go down, the night will come, but then a new day will rise. The second thing is this. The second thing uh, that we learn from, from, from the king here in Judah is, is, is exchange your thoughts. We have to exchange our thoughts. So at the beginning of the passage, King Jehoshaphat is afraid, but he knows to seek God, and he prays later on in verse 17, and it says this, Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out, of the, go out and face them tomorrow. The Lord will be with you. So after the entire nation seeks God, after the entire nation fasts, God, send the, God sends the king a prophet, and the prophet Makes, makes this declaration, go out and fight. God's going to be with you. Everything's going to be okay. I, I don't know about you, but the thing that I learned from this particular part of, of, of the story is this. King, King Jehoshaphat was very wise in the fact that he did not isolate himself and he surrounded himself by God's people. See, what he did is he didn't just go in a closet and pray on his own. He said, our, our nation's going to pray. So many of us, I have this bad habit, so I'm, I'm preaching to the choir on this one. So many of us on our bad day wants nobody to know. Maybe it's a pride issue. Maybe it's, it's a fear or worry. Maybe you don't want to burden anybody. Maybe there's embarrassment behind it. I don't know what it may be, but when you isolate yourself that way, you don't give yourself the opportunity for somebody to remind you to exchange your thoughts. The king was in a position to receive from the prophet because the entire nation now knew what was going on and the entire nation was praying and fasting. That's why we do small groups here at Calvary. So many people are wondering, like, why, why, why do I feel so alone? Because you are. Because you decided to be. How amazing would it be if you were a part of a group that when you were having a bad day, you can go to that group and somebody there could remind you, hey, man, God's got a promise for you. When you're not there, when you're not capable of reminding that to yourself, hey, it's going to be okay. God's got this. 
King Jehoshaphat was wise enough to surround himself with a nation of people and create a culture to say, you know what, we're going to stand together. That's what a church body is for, amen? Aren't you glad to be a part of a church that wants to create a community where we stand together on our bad days? The third thing is this, we, he, he surrendered his control. I love this one. This is probably my favorite point of the whole of the whole sermon, 2 Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshiped before the Lord. We see this mighty king bow down to God and worship him, and all the people follow suit. Anybody in the room ever lift something heavy before? Maybe you helped a friend move, and you're moving a couch or a fridge. What's, what's the one thing that you're supposed to do when you're lifting somebody heavy. Don't lift with your back, right? You lift with your knees. If you lift with your back, you're going to do something to your back and hurt yourself. And it's fun when you go all the way down at something heavy and you just get that pressure build as you go up, right? What I love about this particular point of surrendering control is the way that King Jehoshaphat decided to Surrender his control to God is by bowing down. See, when you're walking with something heavy, especially when you're going up the stairs, I'm 26, so me and all my friends, we're, we're in that phase of our lives where apartment every other year, helping your friends move into their apartment. Every, you guys know what I'm talking about? You ever go through that phase in your life? So it's like, that's probably the only thing keeping me skinny because God knows, or kind of skinny anyway, God knows I don't work out and I eat however I want. But, uh, I think, I think that there's, there's a lesson to be learned from, 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 from lifting something heavy. When we're, we're, in, our, we're in, our, in a bad day, we're, we're lifting all of that pressure, all of that frustration, all of that anxiety, all of that confusion, all of that fear. And what King Jehoshaphat decides to do is say, you know what, I'm not going to carry that anymore. And he goes and he bends his knees and he lifts it down. And for anybody that's ever helped somebody move that has the heaviest furniture in the world, you feel exhausted. But the moment you put that last couch into place, you let it go. And you stand up and you realize, man, it's nice to get all that pressure off. It's nice to get all that weight off of me. In the same way, as king, as this king and this nation bows to God, they're, they're surrendering all of the pressure. They're, they're surrendering all of, 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 of the, the it's, it's, the Bible says, it's casting your yoke upon him, putting our burdens on the Lord. We, 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 we let go of what is keeping us down. The fourth thing is this, we trust God. This is always the hardest one. Because human nature says, if I don't do something, I'm going to lose. If I stand here, if I go into this battle, I've got to at least try to swing. I've got to go down swinging because if I do not do something, I'm going to lose. You're half right. You got to do something, right? But that's not the determining factor in which you win or lose. God is. Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 20 says, Early in the morning they left the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, 
Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you'll be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you'll be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And they went out ahead of the army. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever is what what this choir in front of the army was singing. Now this is crazy to me, but I love it. Awful, awful war strategy, but I think it's genius for Christian strategy. King Jehoshaphat says, okay, we've done what we need to do. We've we've been giving a word from the Lord. We're going to go out and face these men. And God says that he's going to take the day. We trust him so much that the head of our army is going to be a choir. Already giving thanks to the Lord because his love endures forever in my life. What I love about this is, as you tell yourself that you've got to take every blow. You tell yourself that you got to be at the forefront for the leaders in the home, the fathers in the home. You keep quiet because you think you've got to do it by yourself. Mothers in the home, you keep quiet because you think you got to do it by yourself. But God is saying, I don't, you don't have to do it alone. If anything, I'll go out in front of you. The scripture says in John chapter 13 that I've already overcame. I already have gone out in front of you. I've taken the blow. I've already accounted for your bad day. And even the bad days that you haven't experienced yet. Jehoshaphat says we aren't just going to worship God before the bad day. We're going to worship God through our bad day. He gets a choir of people to head them into battle. So many of us are throwing ourselves in front of the battle, taking all the hits the enemy has to throw, but God is saying, let me be in front. Let me take the hits. Trust me to work this for your good. And It's the most beautiful thing to watch. In the middle of the darkest day, someone surrenders their control and trusts God. I want to tell you a story about a couple of friends of mine in California it, it's, 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 it's crazy. They were driving down the highway and this horrible wreck happens. The car flips and spins and turns I don't know how many times. It's one of those pictures where you wonder how anybody could even survive it. It's three siblings end up in a hospital room. Two of them are beat up, cut, scratches, bruised everywhere, but they're okay. But one is in critical condition. And I'm sitting there watching this as their church family, their pastors, parents, grandparents, cousins, aunts, uncles, their, their, their youth group, their small group, everybody's there in this hospital room around this person that has yet to show any sign of being awake. And they take out a guitar. And they begin to sing the song, Get As Well. As I'm watching this, tears are just welling up in me because I think about every bad day that I've ever had. We we all respond and seek God in our bad day differently, but man, to me, that was the most pure form of just trusting God. The doctors have done everything that they could do. We've done everything that we can do. In this moment, the only thing I can do now is let God go in front of me. 
and trust that everything is going to be okay. Thankfully, everything was. But how beautiful, how beautiful was it that they were able to trust God? For my bad day, it was me sitting in my grandmother's small little apartment with all of my family smelling like smoke, watching my mom hold my two sisters, kissing them over and over, and, and my dad just holding me and, and looking around the room, and yeah, I had this thought of what's going to happen with all my stuff, our stuff. My mom had just bought that dining room table. But then feeling this overwhelming sense of relief to see all of us sitting there safely. What, what, in what moment can you find peace in your bad day is if, if Jeff can come help me close, I, I want to I end with this, and I'm going to read it because I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss the way that this is worded, but I really felt strongly in my heart that this is for somebody today. Because here's the trick to your bad day, and I think this is the thing that King Jehoshaphat was really trying to teach us here is there really is no formula there's things that you can pry, try. There's prayers that you can pray. And it's not going to alleviate the day. But so many times we convince ourselves that peace is only going to come in the morning. Peace will come in the morning. But God promises peace in the midst of your day. And, and I think, I think that we've convinced ourselves that there's an enemy to our peace and that's why we can't find it in our day. We, we've got to hold tightly to the peace of God, which I know at times can seem like something that always seems out of my grasp. I heard this said somewhere, the enemy of my peace is not other people. The enemy of my peace is not escaping certain places. The enemy of my peace is not changing the pace of my life. The enemy of my peace is not trying to get rid of a certain problem. Sometimes the enemy of my peace is the expectation of what peace will look like when it actually comes. Sometimes we expect peace to look like perfection. That the only way that we're going to find peace is when things start to look and head my way. But maybe someone in this room today needs to hear that maybe the reason why you can't find peace is because you're looking for it in perfection. God is sending his peace, but not in a way that is going to shoo away every problem that you're, you're facing today. See, what I've come to find out that his peace is subtle. Like I said, for me, it was at my grandmother's apartment that night. Seeing my family okay. Not knowing what tomorrow's going to hold, but you know what? Seeing them was proof that God was holding us, which you didn't know. My mother didn't wake up by the smoke. Her room wasn't filled with smoke. My mother, she said that she felt a tightening in her chest like something was wrong and, and she woke up. 
The fire department said that the whole fire had taken over the whole attic. Most of it, the kitchen tiles had fallen through, and so that's why it, it was overtaking the kitchen, but most of the fire was already above me as we were sleeping. And they said not 15, 20 minutes after, all of the ceiling started caving in. I can only imagine what could have happened if my mother didn't wake woke up. What could have happened to our family? That was peace. Because in that moment, it wasn't perfect. In that moment, the day was, was still bad, but God was giving me mercies in my weakness. For them, it was in that hospital room when they couldn't do anything else but worship. For you, you could look back at every bad day that you've ever had. You can find moments where God was giving you peace. But the only enemy was you. Robbing them. Because you didn't allow yourself to trust in the author and perfecter of your faith. Peace comes in moments where we can, and when we are at our weakest, and when we turn to him. Peace isn't found in moments where the sky is clear. Peace is found when we look to him who can carry us through our weakness. Will you stand with me today? As I let you guys out, I want to go ahead and pray together. And and I want to pray a very specific prayer. I want to pray for those that may be going through a bad day right now with every head bowed and with every eye closed. If you're in the middle of a bad day, would you just... Would you just slip up your hand so that we could pray? Will you, will you pray this prayer with me? Father, we thank you. First and foremost, God, in our bad day prayer, we want to we wanna thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you, God, for proving who you've always proven to be. The one that can carry me. The one that can save me. My times of tribulation and trial, God, you've, you've sent me peace. So, God, now I can take heart because I know that eventually you will overcome all things for my good. God, I want to just trust you in this moment right now, God, that I may not know what to do next in this season of my life, God, but I do know who to look to, and that's you. God, I want to pray for every heart soul, spirit, body, and mind in the room. God, I pray for healing in this room. Healing of the body and healing of the mind. Healing of the heart. I pray for courage in this room. God, I pray for wisdom in this room. God, as we walk through this bad day, God, that we don't try to get through it and see you on the other side, Father, but we follow you through it. God, that we turn to you in our weakest moments, God, and we allow that peace of trusting and knowing you to come over our lives to seek you. Jesus, I believe with all of my heart that you will work all things for your good. Let somebody leave this room encouraged today that, you know what, maybe not everything will be perfect, but God, everything will end up good. Because you are in the middle of every storm that I face. Father, we love you. We honor you. We thank you in advance for my victory. 
In Jesus' name, the church says, amen. Can we give a hand clap to the Lord today? Calvary Church, I love you so much. Thank you so much for the honor and the privilege to serve you today. Guys, man night is tomorrow. Bring somebody with you tomorrow, 7 p.m. It's going to be a great time. We love you, Calvary Church. Have a blessed Sunday.